All right, folks, it is May 1st, 2023, and we are here on the floor at the Offshore Technology Conference, um, and, and we got a podcast pavilion. We have an incredible podcast pavilion. People are just starting to walk into the show expo floor. We got a lot of podcasting going on for the next four days, and we got a little bit of an announcement going on, don't we? We do. We got a, we got a few things going on, but first... But first, we got to thank our sponsor, Fifth Ring, uh, because I, I think this whole thing is is like made possible because of Fifth Ring. One hundred percent. So I got a few things I got to say about them. Uh, let's see. They are a global B two B marketing and communications agency. Over thirty years of experience. Actually, you know, thirty years of experience in oil and gas is for thirty years of marketing experience in oil and gas is a lot. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. In my, so they got over thirty years of experience in the energy sector and beyond. And uh, they got a presence in Houston, Aberdeen, Singapore, and that, that enables them to, to help companies all over the world. They got a global presence, and they're building better brands, and they're selling more stuff. And you can learn more about it at fifthring.com. Yep, the link yes. will be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. Bottom line, you need help selling stuff to oil and gas? Reach out to Fifth Ring. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like those guys. Yeah, I do too. We've done stuff with them before, right? We've, we've done a lot of stuff with them, of and we got a lot of stuff to work with in the future with them. Good good group of people. All right. So here's the thing, Mark: is people who are listening to this episode once it goes out, they're going to be thinking, "Holy cow! It's a new oil and gas tech podcast episode." They haven't heard one for a while. Yep, it's, it's been, been a bit. It's been a while, hiatus. and it's fitting. Um, it's fitting that you're here to do it because because it was originally your show. You started it. Right, the tech show. What, it was like four years ago, maybe? Yeah, four years ago. Sounds about right. Yeah, so we started the All and Gas Tech Show. Bottom line was we had a lot of people asking us to talk about All and Gas Technology. And we had somebody that wanted to sponsor the show, so it was a natural fit. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's evolved some over the years. Like in the beginning... Uh I'm trying to remember your a lot. A lot of the ones in the beginning, you, like you covered a lot of IT topics, I think, right? And, yeah. So uh, in the beginning, it was a lot of true technology, you know, bits, bytes, routers, switches, SSL, and then later yeah. we got more into uh, the people and the results and the and the the, the business drivers. Uh, and then you stepped in and you took it over. And I took it over. Yep. So I had it for a couple, two or three years, and um, and and I took it in a direction that was more. Well, because the whole IT OT convergence thing was really hot at that point in time. That was a big right. deal. Everybody was trying to bring their OT systems, and, and di so digital transformation was actually advancing after a couple of years of like of, of peddling, you know. And then it, it actually took off, and then people were trying to combine, bring digital transformation to their OT environment. So that was a big deal. So I got a lot more into the topics uh, of um, of. Uh, you know things that were happening out with analytics and drilling and completions and all of the more of the operational stuff, and then uh, and then it went on hiatus, so, and now it's back from hiatus. It's back now. Things are going to change a little bit, it's or actually, things are going to change a, a lot. Well, a lot. Well, so one of the one of the things that comes up that came up a lot on the show over a couple of years was. We, we had a lot of discussions that apart from just talking about whatever cool technology we were talking about, there was this backdrop, this context of, of well, the industry is doing a lot of good things. Like this technology isn't just, just sitting there under the hood doing its thing, but the industry is actually making improvements. It's growing, it's changing, it's impacting how, um, you know, emissions 
coming down, more, you know, better production, better, like all, a lot of times we ended up, and sometimes we, we talked too about uh, the historical view. And people really like some, to, to look at, they really liked it on the show when we would look back and say, okay, let's look back 50 years, let's look back 100 years, because we didn't just start innovating all of a sudden in 2017 when digital technology, digital transformation became a thing. Like we were innovating for, like the innovation and the technology goes back to oh, the beginning back, of the industry. It goes back even before hundreds computers. and hundreds of years. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking hundreds. So, no. so, how, so in the three and 400 AD, the Chinese were drilling oil wells with stone bits and bamboo tubes. They were also moving natural gas in bamboo, right? So, so it, it, we've progressed a long way we since have. stone bits okay. and bamboo. F- fair enough. But in the, in the, let's say, 120 years since we really started commercially producing hydrocarbons, innovation, ingenuity, technology, even before we started equating technology with computers, that was it. That was that was part. That was the lifeblood of the industry. Right? Oh, oil and gas industry has always been a high tech industry. Even when the mud logs were done on paper, yeah. that's still big data. Right. It's just it's analog or, or data on paper. Nitroglycerin torpedoes down the down the well bore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, you know, they literally had mechanical clocks. They would drop down the the well bore and they would time it, and it would punch a hole in a piece of paper at the right time to let them know what azimuth, what angle that bore is at. It's incredible technology. That was watchmaker technology, right? And we've come so far since then. Yeah, so glad you mentioned that. Um, that's what really got me thinking about the new format for the show. And uh, so this episode is going to go out and it's going to look like Oil and Gas Tech because that's what everybody remembers. And but, but then next week or whenever the next episode comes out, it's going to be, it's got a new title. New it's, title. It's, it, I got to think for a second. What is, oh, yeah. Oil Field Ingenuity. Um, because I've, because in my head, the, the, it's the ingenuity of the people in the industry that has driven all of these great things, right, over the, the decades and decades. And it, it's smart people that have found new ways of doing things. Sometimes it involves technology. Sometimes it involves other things. Um, so we're going to still talk about tech on the show, but we're going to have a much more of a a broader view of, of the innovation and, and the goodness that's come out of the industry how it has helped the industry itself to do better, but also how it has been good for the world. And I mean, a lot of people like to say that, that it's the evil empire and it's always been the evil empire. And, 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 and now we're trying to sue the, the oil companies for stuff that they, that they did because they knew all along, they knew all along that, that, it was, that they were ruining the world. But in fact, it's really helped the world. And so the new show, we want to have a broader view across all the different, all, all the innovation and the goodness that's been done, the lessons that have been learned. Um, and we also want to look, have more of a past, present, future point of view. So, um, uh, we, which we did somewhat before, but mostly we were just focused on what's happening right now. So now we really want to look like more broadly. So what do you think? Yeah, I love the idea. When you think of ingenuity, the first thing I really think of is the oil and gas industry. It's a bunch of people that a and lot of times... not just because we're in it. Not just because we're in it. <laughs> right. It's a bunch of people that have to get stuff done with whatever resources they have at their disposal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen some incredible engineering done in the field for people that do not have degrees in engineering, right? But they've done this for so long, they figure out ways to make things work. 
They figured out ways to make sure our industry is safer, right? To make sure that we're more efficient. Um, and, and, it's, and it's a lovely, beautiful thing. When you add history to it, then you can see the progression and you realize the amount of blood, sweat, and tears people have put into this industry to make things work. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the, the cleaner, safer, I don't think people appreciate today, even if you go back to the 80s, the 1980s. Even 90s. Even the 90s, the, the amount of cleaner and safer that we so have. So when now. I got in this industry, and, and the younger people who think I'm making this up, but it's true, you measured a roughneck's experience by how many fingers he was missing. <laughs> and that is gone today. Yeah. It is literally gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you spill an ounce and a half of crude in the Gulf of Mexico, that's a reportable incident. Right. When I got started in this industry, it wasn't reported when you dropped no. out, you know, ounce and a quarter of crude somewhere. No, right? you basically had to have a ship explode and, yeah. then, and then maybe... Well, know. but actually, that's a good point. Speaking of innovation and history, when the Exxon Valdez uh, incident happened, spilled happened in Alaska, it totally changed this industry from a safety point of view from the way we everything from that's the way right. that uh, super tankers are, are designed to the amount of redundancy that's built in to all the checklist yep. right and so even things like spills have uh, dropped dramatically and when they do happen Michael we clean it up we have the technology and the ability to clean all that oil up so it, this industry's come so far f- for such a long time yeah. and you know what's really cool we're continuing to forge ahead we do I, we, yeah. we even hold handrails now so, <laughs> we so, hold handrails. Uh, hats we back off. into parking spaces. Yep. And, yeah. Hats off to Elon Musk, right? Elon yeah. Musk, through several shell companies, um, owns a natural gas operator. So now he owns his fuel supply for SpaceX. Right. right? So who would have ever thought? They're not going to do it with batteries, the SpaceX thing? <laughs> no, as much as Elon <laughs> Musk loves his solar, there's no other uh, fuel yeah. to get us out of our gravity well other than yeah. hydrocarbons. Right. So just think about that connection between space outer space exploration and commercialization in, in the oil and gas industry. Unbelievable, right. Plus, we got to have fueling stations on other moons and planets and stuff. All right, so I want to come back to... Um, so, the, so, so, so next episode after this is going to be the new show, Oil Field Ingenuity. We're going to talk about all those kinds of things. Um, I did mention, but, but to just to kind of... How are we doing on time, by the way? We good? We're good. We're only yeah. 10 minutes in. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, we could talk forever. Um, uh, I want to, so in the spirit of the new show, something, I thought about something this morning as I was sitting in traffic trying to get to to NRG. What is this? NRG. NRG, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I mentioned today's May 1st, so it's May Day. Um, And we don't, like, we don't do May Day so much in the U.S., but I I think it's still very popular in Europe, different parts of Europe. And and they have all the different, you know, it's the, they, you dance around the maypole or the may, may tree or the may bush or whatever it is. And, um, uh, and it goes, so I, so I was curious about May Day. I was like, well, what is, what is, uh, what is May Day uh, all about? And, uh, and, and it, and it is, there is a long history of it in Europe. It mostly is celebrating spring and, and, you know, all of that business, right? There's different, there's different, uh, traditions and, you know, you find out that different cultures and religions and things all kind of had a habit of celebrating, you know, the, the, the springtime, but, the earliest, the earliest uh, evidence. Um, all right, now I'm giving it away. I didn't really look all this up in the car, but I was thinking about it in the car. The, it, the earliest evidence that we have it goes back to ancient Rome. I would have guessed that ancient Rome, and it was called uh, Floralia, and it was uh, they're celebrating like the goddess of flowers, something like that, right? And uh, even back like in Republic, in the Republic era of Rome, which is, you know, BC Rome. But, and it started out, like best I can tell, it started out as like, like a one or two day celebration. And, 
like most things in ancient Greco-Roman culture, it became a month-long celebration. And so by the time you get a couple of hundred years AD, it's this month-long uh, uh, thing, and it's mostly happening um, at night. Um, lots of parties, all night, you know. So besides the the goddess of flowers, also, you know, Dionysus and Aphrodite got involved. So you can imagine some of these. I mean, you thought frat parties were yeah. something, but <laughs> yeah, wild stuff, right? But here's the uh, here's the interesting thing. This, you're looking at me like, how are you gonna like, how are you bringing this back to? Okay, there's. It was such a big deal. They basically had to light up the city of Rome for a whole month at night, and that was such a huge thing to do that there's. You, you can see in the in the bookkeeping of the Roman emperors at that time. Um, they actually, well, not they, probably their people. They probably had people that did this, but they had to plan and actually set aside funds and resources and people for the torches to burn all night, every night for a month. Like that was a huge thing. Like you can see in the bookkeeping and the and the administration of the empire at the time, this whole month long lighting up everything all night. The money that it cost was a major budget item. You had to have all these people, right? You think about it. All these torches had to be gathered and distributed, and you had to have people, whatever they did in, probably probably some kind of oil, right? But this was this was a like a huge thing. And if it wasn't done right, then the celebration like it wasn't going to happen. You couldn't you couldn't have all night parties if you didn't have that. So I thought about that. And I thought you know. That was, if you tried to do that at, during any century from then up until about 100 years ago, you still had basically the same challenge. Right. Right? And then all of a sudden, and now, or you think about now, if you want to throw an all-night party, the only thing you got to worry about, I mean, unless you're in California, is, like, is my extension cord long enough? Right? Like, we, we take, we, we totally take for granted the fact that if we want to light up the city all night long for a month, it might be expensive, but like we don't have any trouble doing it. You can just we just do it, and and all of that started like like that was never the case until just sometime in the last century, where we made that possible with energy. So you see where I'm going with this? Hundred percent. I'm, I'm reading. I'm looking for the nonverbal cues to tell me like you're gonna <laughs> no, pick no, up on this. No, you know torch logistics. I never thought about it before. Right? Like it was a huge deal. It was such a big deal that it was written about. Yeah. And it survived in the history. And probably a lot of people made a lot of money having torch logistical companies. And, right? if, you, and, if, you, and if you were to do that, even up until, let's say, if you go back 150 years to the 18, you know, Victorian times, as we call it, it was still probably a big deal. It was really difficult to try to do something like that. Yeah, that's right at the time that natural gas streetlights first started coming out. First started, yeah. right. But somebody had to go light those every night. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you little, still had uh, sort of torch logistics. The, the, yeah. the, the song, Lamplighter Serenade, yep. right? That was the uh, Glenn Miller, I think. So um, so anyway, this is your chance to comment on how the, the, the oil and gas industry changed society. Started, you know, dr- there's a dramatic, like, like, society, like the way things got done in society is more or less the same for like thousands of years until all of a sudden it's totally different. Yeah, the moment that we realized that we could use hydrocarbons to provide cheap, abundant, reliable energy, the world literally changed. Right. Right before that, 
we were lighting our homes with whale oil. Well, the whales didn't volunteer the oil, unfortunately, so we had to kill <laughs> they didn't, them. They didn't. There wasn't <laughs> and, like, a, like a volunteer station yeah. they could just swim in. And you through. talk about a logistical nightmare is trying to get whales and whale oil distributed around you know, the Western world. Um, good thing we discovered hydrocarbons and good things that we figured out how to use them rather quickly. But even things like, um, you know, you're joking earlier about the people who hate our industry. Whether you hate our industry or not, you have to admit that death due to climate has dropped 90% in the last 100 years. People don't freeze to death. People don't die of heat. People don't die of thirst or of hunger like they used to because of the energy provided by hydrocarbons. Right. So mankind is in a way better place. And the history of our industry helping mankind is long. And I can't wait to actually listen to your show and see how you tie into getting yeah. these these people. I can't wait to see how I do it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be great. And what a cool thing to do to transition the show to something more around ingenuity, um, which is going to be just a, like a, a fascinating subject. And the other cool thing I think that you're doing is this could be a lot of stuff that you're going to research on your own and you're going to talk about, right? Yeah. 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 I have to. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll have some guests along the way who want to come in uh, and talk about these things, but it's a little bit different. Whereas with the traditional, the way the tech show ran before, you know, there was always somebody, there's always somebody that we wanted to bring on to talk specifically about some technology or something that was happening. And this is, this is going to be a lot more, it's more storytelling. It's more looking at um, how things, how things, like I said, past, present, future, how things got to where they are, where we're going, and I'm sure there's going to be some people who want to jump in on that conversation, but it's just going to have a little bit of a different different feel to it. There's, there's, are, are we good on time still? We're good, dude. Okay, mm-hmm. there's, one more, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about because, um, uh, so a few weeks ago, we did an episode, you and I did an episode for my other thing, Saving the Dream, which is, you know, about life in America and whatnot, right. but we were talking about, um, uh, we were talking about this, you know, taking for granted the abundant energy that we have and sometimes we don't even you know and you, and you see evidence right like when all of a sudden they can't get heating oil in Europe it's a major uh, like there's a major panic going on like they don't just start switching on a bunch of solar panels and windmills right it's a, it's a problem but somewhere in along there and I didn't get to ask you about this when we were talking about it on that show but you said you said the emissions that come out of a modern vehicle automobile today are not bad for the environment so i'm actually kind of glad you brought that up and like i need to be very crystal clear here if you look go to the eia and you look up emissions by transportation you'll see that that, that it's significant however that lumps together things like uh, diesel electric locomotives over the road diesel trucks none of which have pollution controls uh, Ah. tugboats all that sort of stuff. If you take all of that heavy, non-regulated um, yeah, uh, uh, vehicles out and look at just passenger cars in the U.S., if you could magically remove all the passenger vehicles with a magic wand, you would drop our emissions by 1%. But here's something I ran across the other Interesting. day. Interesting, yeah. If you drive a car that's five years old or younger in the U.S., this is 2023, the amount of particulates released by your tires on the road and your brake dust is equal to the particulates that come out your exhaust pipe. Okay, wait, say that again. So Think about a, that. If you drive a car that's five, five years, years old or younger, younger yeah. 
the particulates released by your tires wearing on the road and your your brake dust is equal to the particulates that come out your exhaust pipe. That is wow. how clean wow. that motor runs. Wow. Right? So for the people out there that want to get rid of our passenger cars, what are you going to do about brakes and tires? The the emissions is the same. It's it comes out the exhaust pipe. Isn't that crazy? That, that is crazy. We've gotten that good at that? Well, but this makes sense, though, because this is why, and I've heard people say this before, but um, I haven't really... I'm not really an expert in the subject, but I've heard people say that if you buy a car that has, um, uh, if you buy a, a, an electric car with batteries, uh, that you got to drive it for a long time to compensate for what was produced during the cre- the manufacturing of those batteries. You have to drive it for quite a while, and I've heard people say that you have to drive it for a long time before it. When you take all that and net it out before you start to gain over what you would have been producing in the way of emissions uh, yeah, just yeah. driving a regular car. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, just buying an electric car doesn't automatically make things better for the environment. It doesn't mean we're not going to... Uh, like we're, The innovation and, the, and everything, yeah. like, like, like we're finding better ways to make batteries and, and all of that. It doesn't mean it's, it's stuck in this imbalance forever, right? Yeah. Anything that man does has an impact to the environment and any impact to the environment can be mitigated if somebody wants to and usually if it makes fiscal sense, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, our air and water is way cleaner now than it was in the 70s. Our air and water pollution here in Europe peaked in the 70s and it's gotten better every year. You wouldn't know that by listening to the news. Well, just just applying natural gas to power generation was a huge, had a huge yeah, impact, drops, right? Drops Drop. emissions 60% just yeah. by making that switch. Just, yeah. 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 And all that stuff is our innovations, which is what yes, you're going to be exactly. talking about. So, and, and, it's, and it's great because those same smart people in the industry, not the exact same ones because some of them are dead now, but, but the same, like, big brains in the industry are now applying that intelligence to all a whole host of new problems and challenges and things like that. Yeah. One of your episodes should be around Rockefeller and some of the genius marketing moves that he did when he started Standard Oil. Yeah. I don't want to go deep in it because you probably cover episode, but for somebody that was literally just commercializing the industry, he was a genius and he came up with multiple things that uh, made this industry better. That would be an, uh, yeah. We I, I should do that. Uh, of course, I'll, if I do that, I'll, I will probably veer off into his world domination uh, objectives as well. But but you know maybe maybe Jordan and I could do a do a <laughs> uh, a combined episode where we talk about the the uh, the genius of Rockefeller and how he helped the, the oil and gas industry, but also the geopolitical ramifications of and, and all the other shenanigans and the people that he was involved with. Yeah, but, if you don't uh, know what Michael's talk about, go listen to our geopolitical sh- uh, podcast. It is fantastic. If you're not listening to it, you're the only one. Yeah, because everybody else is it's a, it's to broken it. all records. Our fastest growing show ever because it's that good. Don't. Um, we don't want to tell Jordan that because he kind of has an ego already. So, he does already have an yeah, ego, so we don't want to. All right, I think that's good. We got so we got people. This was the first. Uh, so we're in the pot, like we said, we're in the podcast. What do we call this? The podcast pavilion. pavilion yep. And uh, we, I think, a few people like we're starting to attract a little attention here. Yeah. And and we got podcasts lined up, right? Uh, next four days, we have podcasts lined up, uh, and not just ours, not just OGG. Oh, I invited every other podcaster I could find that touches energy in any way. I have several renewable guys coming on. I think we have a nuclear uh, uh, podcaster coming on. So it's just going to be loads of fun. And like I said, we're doing this all week. Um, and Michael, there's some records that are going to be broken. Yeah. We already broke one. So this is the first podcast pavilion ever at OTC. Okay. Well, that's all a right. record. 
We just announced launching your show. Right. That's a record. Nobody's ever launched podcast live from a podcast pavilion, OTC. Hey, yeah. I didn't even think of that. And we have another show we're launching on Wednesday that I can't tell the audience that's walking by what it is, so I'm going to be quiet. But it's also another industry first. It's a show nobody has ever done in the oil and gas industry. Uh, it's going to go live 12 Thursday, Wednesday. Uh, you'll find, by the time you hear this, it's too late. You'll be able to see what this new podcast is about, but it's something nobody's ever done, and, we, and we're going to break another record. So it's going to be a week of, uh, of breaking records. Perfect. And you mentioned a good point, which is by the time. This isn't live TV, so by the time people hear this, or live radio, by the time people hear this, we will have already done all these things that we just said yep. in the next four days. However, if you want to know, if you want to listen to the various episodes that have that are going to be recorded here over the next few days, not just OGGN, but everybody's, uh, then we're gonna we're gonna do something on LinkedIn or something, right? We're gonna we're gonna get all those links together and so like make a little table of contents of an index of these were all the shows that got all the episodes that got recorded in the OGGN podcast pavilion during this four days, and uh, and and you get to hear us talk about Fifth Ring. Yep. And. So if you're not following our LinkedIn page, do it so you'll be notified when we put this. What do we? What is that? A conglomerate of podcasts? It's a <laughs> podcast uh, amalgamation. I think uh, I don't know it, something. But, but we should make it. Yeah, well, we'll have it so you can go. So everybody. So like when Jason Lee's going to be here, I think right. So so we'll have a link to after all the after all the episodes publish, you can go find them all without having to go hunt around all the. Yeah, we'll put shows. them all in one place on LinkedIn. So follow us on LinkedIn. And uh, and thanks again to our sponsor, Fifth Ring. That big shout to Fifth Ring. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Once again, if you're in the oil and gas industry and you need help selling your stuff, reach out to them. They, they're pros. They do actually understand the industry, and they're good at market sales and marketing. And there's not too many of those. There, uh, there's very, uh, nothing against other marketing companies out there. There's very few of them that understand the oil yeah. and gas industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. That's it. We're done. We're done.